What's up, Tuesday? How's everybody doing? Hope you're going around just fine today on a Tuesday. We've got uh, Sooner Baseball starting today at 1 o'clock over at Eldale Mitchell Park. They will play against UNLV. And again, they moved that game up to 1 o'clock because storms are coming into the Norman area later tonight. And we got a lot of things to talk about today. We've got uh, the OU men's basketball team, Bedlam Round 3 against Oklahoma State, coming up tomorrow night in Kansas City at 8.30. The Sooner women will await their first-round opponent coming up Friday at 5 o'clock at Municipal Auditorium in Kansas City. They'll play either the seven-seeded Kansas Jayhawks or number 10 TCU. Uh, Jenny Baranchek and company coming in as the number two seed in that bracket. We have Thunder basketball tonight taking on the Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry expected to play, and uh, we'll see what's going to happen with J-Dub tonight. He is questionable. We'll have Brandon Rivard coming up at 135. T.J. Ecker today at 1235. And we got a lot of things happening. Uh, the Board of Regents meeting to talk about what's going to happen with a possible new basketball arena. All of that coming up. Parker Thune, how we doing? I tell you what, Steely, I don't know how you do it. How do I don't I do know it? how do you do it. Well, I how, don't know how you do it. How, I, how do I, I do I, it? I turned 24 a few weeks ago. And as of this morning, I officially feel old. Do you I really? have my first unexplainable ache slash pain. Ever since I woke up this morning... My right calf has been tight and uncomfortable, and I have no idea why, but it's obnoxious. I'm like, is this, is this what aging is? Am I, I officially I, coming to terms with mortality you, in a very tangible manner? You are too young to know the uh, board game operation, but you can go- Google up an image, board game operation, and uh, I look like that guy now pretty much. I've got an injury in every area. Including my brain. So, uh, anyway, it's good to have you with us here on a Tuesday. Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Lasher Home Comfort Systems brings you the opening hour right here. Tim Lasher, great Sooner, great company. Heating and air needs, you need those addressed. Give them a call, 405-579-3113. Guess what has reared its ugly head again? You never rear your pretty head. You only rear your ugly head, right? Pretty heads don't get reared. That's it's right. a valid point. I know you've never heard of that. He reared his pretty head today. It's always an ugly head. So it's always a head that looks like Frankenstein or Quasimodo or maybe me in my current state. But it's back. The talk about the basketball arena. Do we have some Cro-Magnon people out there who actually I heard say this morning, let them earn the arena. They haven't earned it yet. Are you kidding me? Let them earn the arena. That's not how it works. If you build it, they will come, hopefully. Well, more will come. I'm not saying they, they being everybody, but more people will come, I think. And, yes, notice the structure of that sentence. It's, if you build it, they will come, not, if you come, they will build it. Correct. But I don't understand that mentality. But apparently there were a few people on the text line during the Plank Show today that were saying, you know what, Porter hasn't earned a new arena, let him earn it. That, that's not how it works in our current society. You can be a, a good driver in NASCAR, and here I am, a guy who's killed a couple cars in his career, talking about a NASCAR analogy. But you better have a good car. You better have a good vehicle. You could probably win a couple races if you're Dale Sr. or Dale Jr. or, you know, the King, Richard Petty, or whoever's dominating today. If you're a great driver 
in a pretty decent car. But let's face it, the Lloyd Noble Center right now is the Ford Pinto of basketball arenas. It is not worthy of a Power 5 basketball program in its current state. Harsh. But fair. I will say that, and I heard somebody say this, and maybe in true sooner or somebody else who was on the phone line this morning, that they saw Elvis Presley in the Lloyd Noble Center. And that was about five years into the Lloyd Noble Center that Elvis had one of his last shows at the Lloyd Noble Center. Weren't you there, Steely? I or was. Were you there. grounded that day? No, I was there. My parents said, You're going to see Elvis. And at that time, Elvis was bloated in the white jumpsuit and he didn't look cool at all, even though he still was kind of cool. But uh, they said, You're going to see Elvis. And my brother and I, were like, Oh my gosh, we got to go see Elvis. Are you serious? We're going to be seen there and this is not going to be cool. It's no street cred for us. And now that was one of the greatest decisions my parents ever made because I got to see Elvis Presley. So I'm now very thankful. But it is outdated in all caps. It's a horrible venue. It was a multi-purpose arena. The Sooner basketball program needs a new facility. Now, I don't know if they do something to, you know, uh, upgrade the field house. I don't think that can feasibly be done if you want to seat, you know, 8,000 people or whatever. I think Baylor's arena, a new arena, is going to seat 7,000. Texas's uh, new arena, um, you know, seats 11,000. We are going to smaller venues because you have a better environment there. And then you take care of people with concessions and better seating and more comfortable seatings, better viewing, all of that stuff. But they got to do something. I'm in favor of the University North Park deal because, again, when ACDC penned the song Highway to Hell, they had Highway 9 in mind. Okay? There's no doubt about it. But actually, that song contained the words... No stop signs, speed limits, nobody going to slow me down. So maybe they didn't because there are lights everywhere and they're slowing you down all the time. So I apologize to ACDC. But you know what I'm saying. It's a horrible, horrible way to get to the LNC. And there's really no fast way through Norman either. So if you can get that arena on the north side in that area where it's more accessible off I-35, I think that's the best case scenario in my opinion. What do you guys think? Let's hear from you on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Porter Moser met with the media yesterday, and towards the end of his press conference, talking about the Big 12 tournaments, uh, he was asked about the arena and offered up these comments. What I will say is where, wherever wherever goes, I think everyone knows the commitment needs to be towards having a new venue, um, a new venue um, for men's basketball. To make it, you look at some of the team's venues and atmospheres in this league, it becomes very, very hard to play in. And I, I think, uh, I think, and everything from everything I've heard, everything is about moving in that direction. So I love that. I love that the focus is on, on, on the venue. Um, I'm not ready to say which, where, which, when, everything. All I'm saying is let's, let's move in that direction. Um, but again, um, all I've been thinking about is, is this, 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 this tournament and uh, competing and getting ready and getting better and, uh, believing. That's that's where my focus is. There you go. That's our Ortho Central clip of the day presented by Ortho Central with clinics in Norman, Midwest City, and now a brand new Tri-City location serving Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. These full-service clinics treat orthopedic, orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. So Porter Moser again. Um, you know, we've had this debate a few times over the last couple months, but they've got to get something better. It's just not... 
you know, the last game actually that I went to because I'm I'm old, so I sit on the couch and watch on TV or Sooner, Sooner Sports TV, wherever I have to watch, but was a game where Trey Young set the NCAA record for assists. It was Northwestern, I think it was. And I remember thinking the concessions are horrible, the lines are horrible, the seats are uncomfortable. It's not a good place to watch a basketball game. They've got to do something. Now, football gets its way quite a bit, and I am not arguing with that. Football pays the bills. Football, it, the OU football monster. It's always going to be getting fed. But we need to give at least a, a good appetizer, like blooming onion quality, to the basketball program. And we're talking about, again, these new team uh, rooms for basketball, $9.5 million. So, and they've done the practice facilities nice, but the, re- the arena itself stinks. It's just not a good basketball arena. All right, uh, speaking of Porter, let's hear what he has to say about uh, the Sooners and uh, the message to his team having defeated a pretty good T- TCU team handily over the weekend. So what's the message to this team now heading to Kansas City? Visualizing when we're at our best. We talked about it before the game. Let's visualize when we're at our best. When we're at our best, we've competed against the best in the country. Um, and that's what we, that's, that's all we wanted to visualize on. And, um, you know, in these last three games, you know, we've beaten two ranked teams. Um, and uh, you just got to build on it. You know, like I said, belief, uh, confidence, everything going in. Crazy season for the Sooners, Jekyll and Hyde to say the least, but, uh, you know, they beat Alabama. They beat a team that's been number one in the country. They've beaten, uh, you know, top 25 teams, and they've also been absolutely brutal at times. Uh, and that's what you get when you have a record of 5-13 and 13 in the league. It is the toughest league in the country, but, uh, you know, we'll see. Cowboys have beaten Oklahoma twice already they're a bad matchup Caleb Boone's health and how much he can play and how effectively he can play is going to be a key in this game coming up Wednesday night tomorrow night at 8 30 in Kansas City but you know when the Sooners are at their best you know which isn't very often but when they are they're capable of doing some damage so what do you think percentage chance uh the Sooners get out of round one and get another matchup with Texas (laughs) based on the daunting nature of that matchup with Oklahoma State, a team that is simply top to bottom better and more capable of winning games in the Big 12 than OU is, I think it's about a 30% chance. Yeah, if Oklahoma, we'll If Oklahoma wins one game in the Big 12 tournament, I'll be pleasantly surprised. If they win two games, I will be over the moon. They're not winning three or four games. Two is, two is the ceiling. Yes. Two is the ceiling. If you get two wins, that means you get to 500. You're going to finish the year at 17 and 17. All things considered, with what a meat grinder the Big 12 was this year, that's not awful. It's not ideal, but it's certainly not awful. All right, so there you go. We'll uh, get your thoughts on the Air Cover Solutions text line when we get back. Okay. 405-651-3439. Your thoughts again on what to do with the arena. 405-651-3439. I saw Aerosmith on the Rocks tour. That's how old the LNC is. I saw Head East on the tour for, uh, what was the album? Flat as a Pancake. Never been any reason. It's old and it's not good. We'll be right back. Stay here. This song dedicated 
To the Lloyd Noble Center. Not the Lloyd Noble family, the center, the arena. Oh, did George yes. Thorgood tour there too? Probably. He's more of a bar, kind of a blues bar kind of guy, I would think. Didn't he play like minor league baseball or something, George Thorogood? Sounds like he sounds like he'd be that type of guy. But this uh, this is the official theme song for the Lloyd Noble Center. Bring it up. Here it comes. Bad. Come on, Steely. Bad. Bad. Bad and a bone. So the Sooners run out to that and with like t shirts that say this arena sucks in protest next year. Drake, there's your next promo right there. There you go. Bad. Bad and a bone. Oh, man. <laughs> Iconic stuff. You try it. Parker has too much dignity. It's not that I have too much dignity. Because I, I have zero. Ugh. Okay. I don't got that kind of guttural growl in me. The guttural growl. Very nice pairing of words right there. Thank you. Okay, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Here's the old predictable on the text line. Take a shot at the media text. Steely, what are you gripping about? You get press passes, free food, and KREP provides limo service for you and your crew. That ain't true. And the texter who put it out there is garbage. <laughs> Just kidding. Sorry, Mike. Mike from Ardmore. I haven't been uh, on a press pass at the LNC in, oh, my gosh. Um, oh, here's 20 years, maybe. Here's one from Bill and Katusa. Mm-hmm. I saw Journey in the LNC in 1984. Biggest blunt I'd ever seen got passed down the row. I wouldn't even touch it. It, yeah, there was some passing of that stuff back in the day. Journey was, uh, yeah, I was at that Journey show probably. What year was it again? That would have been uh, what 1984? year? 1984. No, not 84. I saw them earlier. I was still in high school. I think I was senior year, so it would have been 81 when they came through. But uh, some good memories of some shows there and some, look, some great basketball games were played there, no doubt about it. I mean, but it just it's time for it to be put out to pasture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Okay, um, uh, 405-651-3439. Go ahead, Parker. Uh, this is a confusing text from Sooner Banker who says, OU has to win two games to get to 500. One game keeps them essentially where they are now. Only get to 17 and 17 if the season gets canceled after the win. Well, you can beat I, OSU in Texas and then lose to, like, either K-State and TCU. And yeah, they're gets 15 you, and 16 and right that, now. And that gets you to 17 and 17. You win two games, you lose the next one, you're 17 and 17. I'm not sure I want that guy looking after my account. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, sir, you're overdraft. What do you mean? I'm just messing with you, Sooner Banker. I'm just messing with you. Thank you for the text. Las Vegas Sooner says, Steelman and PT, for my money, I feel a state-of-the-art venue on campus. Yes, I get it. Having near 35 on the north campus is popular, but having it on campus near students creates a special atmosphere. Going further from campus, not so much, but make it a brilliant design. 
I agree with that. That would be the best case scenario if you can get it done. The problem, Parker, is getting to campus is not easy. The ways to get to campus for people and people like convenience as much as anything else or more than anything else, right? We want everything. We, we want our food delivered. We want our big screens where we can watch anything we want. Uh, we want a comfortable environment. It, look, if there was some way they could renovate or, you know, make the, the field house bigger in a better environment. I mean, I'm old enough to have watched games at the field house back in the day. But I just don't know if it's possible. And unless they create a better system to get around to, like, the heart of Norman, downtown Norman and the campus area, I just think it's going to be a problem for people getting there. That's why I like the, the University Park area on the north side. Uh, on the text line, I'm all for a new arena, but would rather have it on campus and easily accessible for students. If you want a raucous crowd, students have to be a big part of it. Maybe the minds can come up with a way to help alleviate the traffic issues. I agree, because, mm-hmm. look, it's already so hard to get the average Oklahoman to care about OU basketball. What you can't bank on is building a new arena off I-35 and counting on all those people to start showing up. That is, that's the issue right there. To me, the best spot for the arena to bring people in in a convenient way is off I-35 in that area, Northwest Norman University Park area. But the, uh, the, the problem, the downside to that, will the students get out there? Would they, would they make it to the arena? Now, if you're winning, they're going to make it out there. If you're winning big, if you've sure. got Buddy Heald, you've got Wayman Tisdale or Blake Griffin. Or, oh, I'll, ne- I'll never know. forget being in the LNC the night that Trey Young beat Kansas mm-hmm. back in, what would that have been, January of 2018? That place was alive that night, Steely. Yeah. Brent from Jenks says, for the people that keep saying they need to win, Oklahoma has been winning the last 20 years. 2002 Final Four, 2003 Elite Eight, 2009 Elite Eight, 2015 Sweet 16, 2016 Final Four, along with notable recent players like Blake Griffin, Buddy Heald, Trey Young. Guess what? No new arena. Building it will take the program to that next level to attract better players, coaches, and fans. That will bring more winning. I agree, Brent. I agree with you. And, uh, you know, there, there are other options. There, the biggest issue to me, I, the perfect scenario would be a really nice arena that would seat eight, 9,000, maybe 10 tops, but that would be absolutely tops because the arenas are being built smaller. There are so many more options for people to watch every single game, right? It's been that way for a long time. Here's, here's the primary issue that you have to do battle with, Steely. It's summed up in this text from Broken Arrow Fat Boy. Nobody in Oklahoma gives a rat's effing derriere about basketball. Drop the effing stupid subject. Thank you, Broken Arrow Fat Boy. Thank you. Good to hear from you. That right there is what you have to get past. That is what you have to the redneck contingent. that uh, They consider basketball a wimpy sport. It's football, and that's about it. Maybe, or bandwagon, uh, OU softball fans who've jumped on, and they should be on that bandwagon because it's, it's not a bandwagon any longer. It's a dynasty. Different perspective here from Terry and Edmund, who says, Mike, I know I'm in the minority, but I love the LNC. Does it need updating and maybe some reconfiguration to give it a smaller capacity? Yes. But there is something so nostalgic about the old girl, I think she is worth keeping. You can build an arena anywhere, and until you put a better product on the floor, attendance will still suffer. Look at the LNC and Billy's time at OU. We had a 55-game win streak, and the fans filled it regularly. The only way, 
if you could reconfigure, maybe put different seats in there, and maybe, you know, you definitely need, uh, you know, better concession areas, more accessible, more of them, stuff like that. If you could, you know, do that, refurbish it on the inside, I mean almost a complete overhaul on the inside in some ways, maybe that would work. But in its current state, I don't think so. How about this text? Steelman and Parker, I worked on stage crew at Lloyd Noble for four years from the inaugural opening event in 1975 through 1979 when I graduated. Opening act at LNC was Lawrence Welk and his <laughs> orchestra. I helped unpack his bubble machine. Then for a slight change of pace, I worked the Allman Brothers concert there the next week where I got to meet Cher backstage. Yeah, that's right. She was going out with Dwayne, I think it was, right? Was it Dwayne or Greg that she went out with? I'm, I'm trying to remember. One of the almonds. Was Dwayne still alive in 1975? I, I don't know. Dwayne might have passed before that. Yeah, I think it was Greg. Uh, Dwayne was, wasn't Dwayne the one who played on Layla? Yes, with he Clapton? was. Okay, uh, how, raise your hand unless you're driving if you're out there in the ref army right now. How many of your grandparents, how many of your grandparents watched Lawrence Welk? And you had to sit there, <laughs> if, your, if your grandparents had you like on a Sunday early evening and they were babysitting, you were sitting in front of the TV watching Lawrence Welk. All right, uh, 405-651-35, uh, four, I forgot the uh, 3439. There you go. Senile. Senility is setting in. Okay, well, who's the one who said he saw the Outlaws? There's one down there. That yeah, been a somebody nice show. said I saw Waylon Willie and the Outlaws in 1977. So the Outlaws were Waylon Willie, Jesse Coulter, and Tom Paul Glazer. T for Texas, T for Tennessee. That was Tom Paul Glazer. Maybe we should play that at the break. Can you pull up some Tom Paul? T O M P A L L. Tom Paul Glazer. T for Texas, T for Tennessee. Uh, okay, I'm going to see if I can make this happen. Uh, Tom G- Yep, there he is. Okay, there you go, there you go, there T you go. T for Texas, it'll probably be... Uh, T for there Texas. There we go. One of the outlaws right there. That was a great album, by the way. Big time album. All right, let's take a break right here. Thank you, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Oh, yeah, here we go. That was a great album, I'm telling you, The Outlaws. I love Waylon and Willie. All right, take a break right here. We will come back with T.J. Eckert, talking a little of Big 12 tournament, Sooner football, and more next here on The Ref. Ah, yes, welcome back. Kendall says his mom went to see Elvis. He's 41, and yes, I remember... Elvis's concert at the LNC. And I remember when he died and the news came out, we were at football practice. Norman, uh, at that time, you know, freshman, sophomore year, you either went to Central or West, and I was a Central Cub. And one of the trainers, the female trainers, came out and, you know, announced that Elvis died. And our coaches, uh, then Kalen Berglund, Mike Vermillion, they were so uh, affected by it, they just canceled practice. We were like, yes, yeah. oh, I'm sorry for Elvis, but we're out of practice. <laughs> so, wow. But Needless to say, Elvis meant more to the old timers than yes, he did to the high schoolers. That's right. But, you know, I was, I'm very happy that my parents said, you're going to see Elvis. 
you're going to see him. So, yes, parents usually know best, right? Kids, you need to know that. All right, T.J. Ecker joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. T.J. with the Board of Regents meeting here today. And, again, uh, $9.5 million uh, looks like, again, for team rooms for the basketball program. That has brought the Lloyd Noble Center conversation uh, back front and center. What would T.J. Eckert's best plan be for uh, a future home for Sooner basketball? Well, first off, since we're on the topic of the LNC, I did not know that Elvis performed at the LNC. Oh, yeah. I, my parents That's... drug me and my brother there. We, were, we thought we were going to be humiliated. Now we're very thankful. Wow. That is, that is just too cool. Uh, okay, so I, I just think building something off-site doesn't make much sense. I guess the LNC is technically not right in the middle of campus. I, I think I read somewhere that someone said it's a mile and a half. Is that right? Is it really a mile and a half? It doesn't feel like it's that far. Well, maybe close yeah. to that, maybe. It just yeah. doesn't seem that far when you think about the campus, but I, I guess that makes sense. It feels like that's probably, unless you can find land somewhere closer to the actual campus, like walking distance, like where the, the old field house is, like if you can find somewhere to do it there. That's probably your best bet. I just don't like the idea of building away from your students. I feel like if you can at least keep it centrally located for those guys and girls, that's a good start. Um, so I, I have no problem with its current location. I, I don't like the design. I, I just think it's too big. It's too all The fans are too far away from the floor. I mean, we're not even talking about the low attendance numbers. We can get into that if we need to. But just in terms of like a fan experience, it just doesn't feel – you know, cozy. Like you don't feel like you're on top of the of the court. You don't feel like you're on top of the on top of the players. So I just, if if anything, I don't know what you can do to the current building to make it feel more like that. Uh, that would be my 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 first recommendation. But I, I don't I don't like the idea of building off site just for the fact of I like the fact that it, it it can be on campus. It's easier to get to for students if they obviously want to go to the game. TJ, if the Sooners win two games in Kansas City, they get to 500 on the year. And it appears a virtual impossibility that they're going to make the field of 68. But if they can win conference games consecutively to close out the season and they can get mm-hmm. to the 500 mark, you'd have to think, right, that in a year where the Big 12 top to bottom is so, so difficult, all things considered, sure, it's not ideal, but it's not terrible. It's It could be – much worse. Um, I, I think the year after oh, you made the Final Four, well, they win like 12, 13 games or something. I think that's what it was. That's, that was. This has been the worst year since that season, and that team lost so much from that Final Four team that it just didn't – it felt like, okay, well, we, you knew you they're, they're going to take a step back with all the production that they lost. This team didn't have much production anyway um, – and just kind of fell off a cliff there once Big 12 play hit. So if you can you can finish the season, like you said, if you can win Bedlam, which is two-pronged, you obviously advance the Big 12 tournament, but you effectively end OSU's chances, your rivals' chances of making the NCAA tournament. That's, that's a huge win. And then if you can beat Texas, uh, I feel like being two rivals back-to-back in the Big 12 tournament, you're right. It, it does feel okay and – you know what? If you do that, you never know what's going to happen once you get into those final couple games of the Big 12 tournament. So I don't want to speak anything to existence, but I think beating your Bedlam rival, eliminating their NCAA tournament chances, and then winning against Texas, uh, that would be a, a really nice way to end what was a fairly disappointing season. 
T.J. Eckert, our guest, and uh, joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline here on this Tuesday edition of Steel Man and Thune. All right, T.J., KTUL TV Sports Director, ORU plays tonight. Uh, Hmm. Paul Mills and company have won 29 games. They're playing at 8 o'clock on ESPN2 tonight uh, against North Dakota State in the Summit League Championship. Bottom line is, you know, you win 29 games – but you lose this game tonight, you're probably not going to the NCAA tournament, and Max mm-hmm. Azemus will not be able to play again in the NCAA tournament when he was so great a couple years ago with that, that great run that ORU had. What about this matchup tonight? And ORU wins, they've got 30 victories and an automatic bid. What happens if they don't? You know, I've tried to find a way, Steely, to speak a two-bid Summit League into existence. I just don't – I don't – think it's going to happen i i brought it up we were talking uh yesterday with some other media folks at a tulsa press conference and we were just kind of chatting about oru and uh if they lose they have 29 wins but people were quick to bring up that technically they played four division two schools in the regular season and that counts on their espn win loss but if you look at like their tournament resume they would technically only have 25 wins which is a number that we've seen teams not get in in the past, I think St. Mary's is, a, is an example. A few years ago, they lost to Gonzaga in the conference championship with like 26 wins, and they didn't get in. Um, I think Utah State was maybe one in the early 2000s, had 25 wins and didn't get in. So I think I think obviously the, the, the main focus is just win and take care of it yourself. Uh, but to, to talk about ORU, man, this is this is a team that will look similar, but I think different than that team that made the Sweet 16 run. I would argue they're better. Uh, they're more balanced. They have the experience. Kareem Thompson, Carlos Jurgens. Obviously, Max Aismas, those guys are all key contributors on that Sweet 16 run. Then you add in Connor Vanover from Arkansas, who has just found his spot there. He's a matchup nightmare. He's very similar to like Musa Cisse when he's on the floor in terms of defensive presence. Uh, guys are always looking for where Vanover is on the floor because he's 7'5". He blocks so many shots. And then uh, Isaac McBride from Vanderbilt is a transfer guard in, and he has been really, really good. So Aismas doesn't have to score 40 a game for this team to win. He can... He was the third-leading scorer a couple times uh, this season in games, and they were still blowing people out. So uh, they're a fun team to watch. It'll be a fun game to watch tonight uh, on ESPN2. And, yeah, I, I, I do think they have to win to get in, but there's certainly at least an argument that could be made. So if and when they do get in, TJ, just looking mm-hmm. at this team top to bottom, they seem to me and to a lot of folks like a team that could upend a couple of higher-seeded opponents in route to a Sweet 16 or even an Elite 8 run, which Oral Roberts, of course, was on the cusp of a couple mm-hmm. years ago behind Max Aismas and Kevin O'Banner. What do you think the ceiling is for ORU if they land in the field of 68 after tonight? Yeah, honestly, Parker, it feels silly to say that this team is better than that team that made a Sweet 16 run because that just doesn't happen in the Summit League. But it really is. I mean, you have good guard play. You have really experienced guard play. You have the inside-out presence of a Connor Vanover. Their defense is so much more improved than that team in, uh, two seasons ago that was basically just out there to outscore you. They can still do that, but they're able to stop teams now. Uh, last night, again, this is the Summit League tournament, so it's not like they're playing you know, high-level Blue Bloods, but they made one field goal the final seven minutes and still won the game because they play good defense. Uh, they made their free throws down the stretch. They're a great free-throw shooting team. They're a volume three-point shooting team, but they make their three-pointers. And so that I think that's a good recipe for what they call them giant killers, I guess, in the NCAA tournament. So ceiling-wise, um, I, I still think this team is better than the team that made the Sweet 16 two years ago. So I, w- I would say they could they could make, win a game on the second weekend. That's a, that's a good ceiling. Um, I think eventually they're going to run into teams that are longer and more athletic than they are, and 
uh, will eventually stop them. The only thing I'll say, Parker, about this is back in 2020, 2021, whenever that was, is a lot of teams, A, overlooked ORU, and B, they weren't playing in full arenas because it was the COVID year. So it was not as big a crowds, and they were kind of a Cinderella, right? People were overlooking them. This year, uh, there's not really any overlooking them this time. So uh, that would be the one thing I would say to keep an eye on, too, depending on the matchup. Well, TJ, we got the players uh, teeing off uh, in a couple days. No Tigers. Yeah. It's Augusta bust for the Big Cats. But uh, we, the, the players will still be fun to watch. But Tiger, again, we expect to see him at Augusta. And uh, mm-hmm. one tune-up, and that'll be it again for uh, Eldrick before he tries to go find another green jacket there in Augusta. Mm-hmm. Not to, we only have three tournaments between now and... And um, and the Masters after this one. So yeah. There we go. Yeah, and a match play, too, in there, too. That would be fun. Yep. TJ, always appreciate it. Thank you. You bet, guys. Talk to you soon. TJ Ecker joining us on the Riverwind Casino Hotline. Riverwind Casino, simply the best. Over 2,800 electronic games, all your favorite table games. They have a tremendous world-class poker room. They also offer the best bars and dining, the Coop Ale House Bar, the River Buffet with steak night on Friday, seafood on Saturday, great brunch on Sunday. Chips and Ales Pub Restaurant is unbelievable. They've got a great food court there as well. New member seven promotion. If you go out to Riverwind and get Get yourself a wild card. Sign up for a wild card. Doesn't cost you anything. It's going to help you out a bunch in all these promotions. You can earn up to $450 in your first 24 hours with that wild card. Great promotions happening as well. The countdown to concerts promotion is underway from now until March 18th. Earn one entry for every five points on your wild card. Be there Saturday, March 18th. The drawing starts at 7. The preliminary drawing is from 7 to 11.30. They're going to give out $20,000 in cash and bonus play in the preliminary drawings. And then just before midnight, one grand prize winner is going to be selected to win a pair of Taylor Swift concert tickets for her show at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, April 1st. So, also, you're going to get $1,000 cash with that uh, grand prize win. So get out there, play with your wild card at Riverwind. All right, break time right here. We've got a ton of text rolling in. And there's a battle underway in spring football in Austin, Texas. Arch Manning, the greatest quarterback in the history of the prep ranks against the not-so-mighty Quinn Ewers. We'll talk about that also a little bit when we get back. Longhorn Nation, we're back! I saw the uh, Longhorns are underway, Parker, with spring football. How about that? Are you excited? Arch is wearing what, number 16? Is that what I saw? I think that's what I saw, right? Whose number was that? I don't know, but Arch is there. Mm hmm. Arch is there. Jonte Cook is there. Yes. Anthony Hill's there. Mm-hmm. And Sark is still there. Man, you know not to touch Steve Sarkeesian, though. Know. He will light you up. Do not, like, walk up to him in a restaurant and touch him. He will drop some F-bombs <laughs> on you. No doubt about it. That man, you know, I thought maybe, but he's still crazy. He's still crazy. But uh, let's hear what Sark had to say yesterday about Arch Manning's early development and his battle because he, he said it's an open competition between – he and Quinn Ewers. Well, I, I think there's, it's like anything, there's growing pains, you know, mm-hmm. of, of, you know, we make a big deal out of the guy losing his ID twice the first couple of weeks of school, <laughs> you know. So he, he's a freshman in college, you know. 
but he does take it serious and he wants to be really good. And the beauty of it, the guy, one of the, one of the guys he's competing with is taking it really serious and wants to be really good. And that competition should ultimately drive the best out of both of them. And that's what we're trying to create in our program at every position group. Because when you have that, that's when your level of play continually goes up and up and up. I thought Quinn had a really good winner, you know, where, you know, it's like anything. You, he was essentially a true freshman this time last year for us. And so there's a lot on his mind that, that it's like when the gears are moving, but there's no WD-40 in there, as those gears were grinding. And it, it felt that way for him pretty much all year long. Um, this winter, it just feels natural. You know, he's throwing the ball well. Um, I think he's emerging as a leader. You know, I'm watching him break the team down. I'm watching him do those things, uh, which is positive. And I think what he's done, he's serving for Arch of, hey, this is what it looks like, and this is how to go about your business. And for Arch today, day one, um, there's, there's some plays for sure that he would, would love to have back. And there's some other plays that he made. I think everybody was like, wow, that, that was a heck of a play. There we go. So the battle is on between Arch Manning and Quinn Ewers. Can we say that Quinn Ewers was a disappointment officially in year one? I mean, he had moments. He had some moments. He certainly had moments. I think, yes, it probably would be categorized as a disappointment. Based on the high standards, right? Yeah. I mean, he was never going to live up to the hype that he carried to, in, well, I guess to Ohio State first and then to mm-hmm. Texas as the number one consensus prospect in America, which I, I never understood that. He was good. He was never that good. But for Quinn Ewers, he did have moments, arguably no bigger moment than October 8th, the performance he turned in against Oklahoma in the 49 nothing victory. But after that day, Steely, it was a steady downhill decline. Yeah, it was. Yeah, definitely it was. I When I saw him first and I saw the haircut, yeah, Peyton did wear 16 at Tennessee. He That's did. why I was bringing it up. Um, but I thought, this kid, I just can't see him being a superstar with that haircut because you've got to look at yourself in the mirror and decide, that's what I'm going with. And I just don't think that's a good decision. Now, I know that's very shallow of me to say that, but that's what I thought. So, um, it'll be interesting. Uh, The last highly recruited quarterback to really pan out at Texas was Vince Young. Right? Yeah, you can make the case that Colt McCoy is in that category. But was he super highly recruited? Was he? What was Colt McCoy? That was so long ago. I don't even remember. I know his successor, Garrett Gilbert, was very highly recruited. Right, yeah. Colt, I would think, would have been a four-star at the highest, would be my guess. But uh, Vince Young, obviously, was tremendous. Chris Sims, way overrated, so we'll see. But, yeah, I thought that Peyton wore 16 at Tennessee, too. So, yeah, you guys are right. Um, Anyway, interesting that the Longhorns are already underway. And we're going to talk about Sooner spring football not too far away, and the spring game, of course, April 22nd. How much is Steve Sarkeesian having his strings pulled by the BMDs at Texas when it comes to the Arch Manning Quinn Ewers situation? I don't know, but, you know, right off the bat, we, we heard him say again that, yeah, that this is completely open. And, I, and, look, it should be. If Arch Manning's better than Quinn Ewers, he should play. But you always get the feeling that the big money donors are uh, very much in control there. Sark, um, first two years, 
what kind of grade do you give Sark? Is that program moving in the right direction with Sark now after two years? Are they moving in the right direction? I, that's hard to gauge. Yeah, it is. Because I think it depends on how this recruiting class pans out and how quickly it pans out. Because, you know, you talk about day three being moving day on the golf course, right, in a, in a big golf tournament. Year three is moving year, if you will. That's a good way a to put it. I like staff. that. I like that. It either happens in year three or it doesn't. And if it happens, there's going to be plenty of belief among the fan base, within the locker room. There's going to be plenty of belief that you're getting close to turning a corner. If it doesn't happen in year three, man, people get restless. We saw it with Tom Herman. We saw it with Charlie Strong, who was gone after year three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, I, I do think, you know, the first year was a disappointment. Uh, I don't think that I ever saw Sark. Somebody's asking on the Air Cover Solutions text line if Sark ever apologized for that incident. I, I don't remember seeing one. Maybe he did, but talking about when he blew up in the ball game, uh, you know, in the in the tunnel, in the pregame tunnel. But I don't know. I guess Texas is moving in the right direction. They're traveling in the right direction, but they're going like fifty in the left lane. You know, you still don't know. Um, this is, again, Brent needs to obviously get it turned around for Oklahoma this year. And I do think that I think this Oklahoma team's at least going to win nine games. Maybe I'm drinking the Crimson Kool-Aid here, maybe too much of it. But I just think with what they did in the portal and with what happened last year and all those one score games, that won't happen again. We'll talk more about that when we get back. A little Sooner football conversation to start out, hour number two. You can listen right now on 94.7 FM. Baseball is on the app, 94.7 FM. Coming right back with hour two. Here in the Buffalo Wild Wing Studios, that's where we are. Hour number two, Steelman and Thune on the Ref Radio Network, home of Sooner fans, presented by the Seth Wadley Auto Group, Paul's Valley America, Exit 72. You're looking for selection, they have it. Cars, trucks, SUVs, pre-owned vehicles, the best selection and the greatest guarantee in the automotive industry. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you at the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Let's start out talking a little sooner football, then we'll get right back to the text line. Uh, Parker, if I said, it sounds to me like you are uh, projecting the Sooners to win double-digit games this year. That's where we start. Like if I set the over and under at 9.5 for OU, that's where the number is you're going over. I would take the over on 9.5. Now, combination of many things, schedule, improvement, better defense, what's the key? The schedule is not daunting. Again, we've talked about the schedule. There are three games I'm legit worried about. Texas, TCU, BYU. Other than that, the nine games elsewhere on this schedule ought to be wins. You don't have to vie with Baylor. You don't have to contend with Kansas State. What about those guys in Stillwater? What about them, Steely? They're going to be starting Allen Bowman at the quarterback Mm -hmm. position. Pardon me if I am not worried at all about the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Oh, no. Receipts right there. Somebody's, you know, 
We'll see. No, I, I think it's a it's a much it's a manageable schedule. But the bottom line is, obviously, the Sooners have to play a lot better. Thank you, Captain Obvious. But I do think the defense is going to be better. And uh, year two in Jeff Levy's offense, you're missing Marvin Mims, who tore it up at uh, the combine. Obviously, uh, you're missing uh, your best offensive lineman, Anton Harrison. You're missing your best running back, Eric Gray. But I still think they're going to be able to move the football. And, yes, I think that Dylan Gabriel will have a better year than he had in year one and hopefully for Sooner fans a healthier year, too, because without him we we saw what that train wreck looked like. But uh, Brent Venables the other day when he met the media was talking about all the Sooner newcomers. And remember the, uh, the, the portal guys were there, the early enrollees were there. Early impressions, Brent, liking what he sees out of this group. What I've seen through four weeks with this group of guys, and we're doing everything from segments and walkthroughs and uh, just a lot of learning the playbooks on both, both sides of the ball. Uh, I've seen a com- great competitive depth, um, young men that chase excellence, football instincts, and, a lot, and, and really strong football intelligence, both with the high school and with the transfers. So uh, you know, meeting the needs where, where we need. Uh, you know, again, just going back, uh, the 37 guys that we're bringing in, and again, we've dressed the line, lines of scrimmage with 15 uh, offensive and defensive linemen, nine def- defensive linemen and six offensive linemen, uh, five linebackers, eight DBs uh, as well, uh, both, both safety and at corner, three tight ends, two running backs. Uh, three wide receivers, and certainly uh, a quarterback in Jackson Arnold. There you go. So it's an overhaul in many ways. And, again, there's going to be some fierce competition in the spring for some of these positions. And uh, I think Sooner fans are excited about this portal group, especially when you think about some of the guys on the defensive side of the ball. And let's start with Desan McCullough. Uh, When he talked to the media the other day, he said, you know what, I I like this portal group. I think it's pretty darn impressive. I mean, these are guys that are experienced, guys that you know that can play. So it's kind of like no-brainer guys, like guys that are already coming in and working. I'm already impressed with all of them. So there's uh, there's definitely there's definitely some signs there that are going to lead to our success. I've been uh, jumping into workouts. The workouts have been pushing me. I mean, everything's been pushing me. Uh, film, mentally, Coach Venables has been pushing me to learn this defense. So this is the exact reason why I came here, though, is to grow as a man become a great football player, not just physically, but IQ-wise, too. So it's been great. Is there an underrated guy in this portal group? Uh, because we've talked about McCullough, we've talked about Trace Ford, we've talked about Jacob Lacey, we've talked about Reggie Pearson, and you know that Austin Stogner's coming back. Is there one guy that might be a little bit underrated in this portal group? And you can't throw Kendall Dolby in there, right? Because he's yeah, part of the no, recruiting he class. Yeah, he doesn't really count. Caleb Schaefer. Okay. That's who I'm going to go with. Offensive lineman, Miami of Ohio. I think there's a good chance Caleb Schaefer starts. Everybody and was impressed to talk to the kid, too. They he's very impressive kid. from an intellectual standpoint. He is physically enormous, Steely. Six foot five, 342, and not a fat six foot five, 342. A wide, athletic, very stoutly built six five, 342. I'm high on the kid. He was a four year starter at Miami of Ohio. We'll take a guy like that. And I mean, the Sooners. Last year, went and got C.J. Colden from Wyoming, yeah. a guy that had done nothing but produce at the G5 level and figured, you know what? With the skills he brings to the table, his game will translate. They're betting on the same with Caleb Schaefer. And I'm counting on the same with Caleb Schaefer. Yeah, I, I think that uh, this group looks like they could make a huge impact, obviously, particularly um, 
you know, when you think, think about uh, the defensive line, you know, Rondell Bothroyd, Trace Ford getting after the quarterback, Jacob Lacey, what they brought in, obviously Desan McCullough, uh, Reggie Pearson, uh, Kendall Dolby again, not in the portal group, but he's a newcomer and uh, he's highly thought of. I think the Sooners, again, last year was, I mean, look, at times it was a, it was a comedy of errors on defense. But this group, I think, has a chance uh, to make a huge strides on that side of the football this fall. Let me also bring something up that probably has not been discussed on these airwaves yet. Oklahoma right now is in the market for another cornerback via the transfer portal. In the market for another guy with a ton of collegiate experience that can basically be a one-year rental. Now, some of you know who I'm talking about because I posted a note on him at OUinsider.com earlier today. But if you're not a VIP subscriber, now would be a great time to head to OUinsider.com and sign up for a $1 free trial because I do expect the Sooners to lose a defensive back after spring ball. And the anticipation within the building is that they're going to lose a defensive back after spring ball. So that is part of the reason. Are we talking about a relevant DB that has played some major snaps? At Oklahoma? Yes, or at Oklahoma. Oh, the guy they're going to lose? Mm-hmm. Eh, I, I, I give too many details. People are going to know who I'm talking about. And I'm not sure I want that yet. But okay. they're going to lose a defensive back. They're looking to bring in a defensive back to replace the guy that inevitably they are going to lose post-spring. Power five guy? No, not a power five guy, mm, actually. Okay. Much much a guy in the vein of a C.J. Colden, for instance. C.J. Colden made some plays. There's no doubt. Yeah, he had an impact last year. There's no question about it. All right. Um, so, again, I, I just uh, – I don't know. I just feel like, number one, they've got to get better defensively. I mean, last year in some of those games, it was just, uh, you know, the TCU game was an absolute catastrophe, obviously. Not only did you lose Dylan Gabriel, but then you lose uh, Billy Bowman in that game, right, who was your rock-solid safety, and they just got lit up in that game. Uh, we all know what happened in the Texas game. It's You can't throw that one out, but at the same time, it feels like, you know, that was just the worst case scenario happened for Oklahoma. And look, oh, you should never be in a situation when your backup quarterback is is really not a guy that should be playing backup quarterback in a Power 5 conference. Right? I mean, it was, it was ugly. You going to slander Braden Willis like that? Well, Braden Willis, you know, I, hey, man, I was thinking run that thing the whole damn game, right? I'm like, what? So, and then uh, how many passes did Nick Evers throw? Nick Evers threw one pass. And that was the one that went straight into the ground. Yes, the he threw it at Javante Barnes's feet. Yes. Man. That game, you know, if uh, the neurologists out there, you know what would be big? If you guys – and ladies who are at the top of your field. Now, it's impossible to get in to see you, of course, because my wife needs to get in to see a neurologist right now. And basically, I, I think she could go get a, a visit to the Pope before she could meet a neurologist. It's, it's crazy. What if you're really in serious trouble? Yeah, we'll see you in July, basically, is pretty much what you get. So anyway, beside the point. But if you could create something, a minor outpatient surgery on the brain where you could remove certain memories from people's brains, 
I think many people would start with the 2022 Oklahoma-Texas game. You know, you just go in, surgically repair that area of the brain. Where, where is that? Is that in the hippopotamus or wherever it is? What is that the section of the brain? The hippocampus? Or is it the hippopotamus? I think it's the hippocampus. It's the hippocampus. Okay. It's not the hippopotamus. Um, ooh, somebody somebody asked on the text line, what number is Woody Washington going to wear? Derek LeBlanc's pictures, he's wearing zero. So I believe mm. this is, to my knowledge, what the plan is. David Aguebu transferred to the University of Houston. Right. Thus vacating the number two. Who so, does number two work for? So Sorry. here is, to my knowledge, what is going to happen. Billy Bowman is going to switch to number two. Okay. Woody Washington is going to switch back to his old number five. All right. And Derek LeBlanc will wear zero. There you go. Shuffling numbers. What is, uh, besides the OU Texas game 2022, if you could have a brain surgeon remove a memory, and it is the hippocampus, it's not the hippopotamus, uh, the 88 OU Kansas basketball game would be another one. That would be one day. That'll happen, right? They'll be able to erase memories. There's no doubt in my mind. There'll be an app for it. Erase memory, yes or no. And you press yes and you erase the memory. It won't be too long. I would say in the next 20, 20 years, you'll be able to erase memories. Oh, no. Yeah. Steely, let's – This I, isn't science I hope, fiction. This will be reality. I hope for your sake – that you have passed on by the time we get to that point as a society because that is officially the point at which gone. the machines will control us. Oh, there's no doubt. No doubt about it. I mean, sometimes it'll end up being like a frontal lobotomy and the people will just not be there anymore. But at least they won't have to think about OU Texas 2022. So I would remove Lincoln Riley from my brain. That's a winner right there going into the break. 405 651 3439. That's a winner on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Good stuff. All right, break time. Good to have you with us. Let's get the uh, text still rolling in. Thank you, Seth Wadley, Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Hour number two, Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans. It's the Ref Radio Network. We are back, Mike Steely, Parker Thune, Hour 2 here on Steelman and Thune, Ref Radio Network, home of Sooner fans, 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Like I said, uh, you will never be able to get in to see a neurologist, but if you did get in to see a neurologist, because my wife's still been waiting for a long time, but if they could perform some kind of survey to serve uh, surgery to remove a memory from your brain what would it be and i said you know you think about 88 ou kansas 2022 ou texas we've got some more answers coming in air comfort solutions text line 405-651-3439 let's get right there we've got brandon or bar to preview the thunder and the warriors tonight and what's going on with oklahoma city next segment Go ahead, Parker. I'll let you do the duties. This is a great response. Boise State, that being New Year's Day 2007. Oklahoma lost that was the a tough one to Boise State. That was a tough Heartbreaking. one. Heartbreaking. Jared Zabransky, Ian Johnson. Not the way Adrian Peterson deserved to go out. 
That's true. And you thought it was Marcus Walker who had the pick six, right? That's correct. And you thought, that's it right there. OU's going to survive, and uh, they did not survive. OU's 1985 BS tie. At least in 2022, we knew we were done. In Mm. 85, we were robbed. Yeah, the 85 game uh, was the Stanberry interception, right, that wasn't. And that was a – man, that was such a weird game. I think that was a 2.30 kick that day, if I'm not mistaken. Because I I got tickets last minute. I didn't do our pregame that day. Um, But – I remember it almost being it was overcast and kind of rainy and drizzly all day, and that was that was a weird game, no doubt about it. Sooners in Texas, and uh, yeah, OU did get robbed on that deal because the Jeff Ward field goal tied the game, and that's how it all ended. And that was that was the infamous game where Switzer found, got a, the beat Texas hat from the fan and wore that. Off topic, but this is a great text from Fred. Convince Thad Turnipseed that the football program ultimately benefits if basketball gets a brand new facility, and I bet it's complete before the first home game next year. (laughs) Thad gets stuff done, people. He's a doer, yes. No doubt about it. Billy Sims fumble, says one listener. 1978, Lincoln, Nebraska, recovered by Jim Pillen. Who is now the governor of Nebraska. Is he really? Yep. I had no idea. That little son of a – is the governor of Nebraska? I remember thinking, that little dude recovered the fumble. Are you kidding me? Jeez. See, that's all you need to run a political campaign in the state of Nebraska. You just need to have one iconic moment as a Husker. I wonder if that was in his campaign ads. You know, him recovering the Billy Sims fumble. You know, I remember he had his arms up in the air, showing the ball and everything. I was like, great. The Sooners got their revenge in the Orange Bowl, though. Brian in Tulsa says, I would forget the memory of people ordering food in the Sonic drive-thru. <laughs> Ohio State at home, says a listener in the 580. Another says, the Orange Bowl against the stupid Trojan. That was a long night, man. That unraveled quickly. It's like, boy, that escalated quickly. That really got out of hand, but it was the Mark Bradley fumble that started the avalanche. Another listener says, Rose Bowl, I still believe we win the national championship that year if we don't squib kick seconds before halftime, which led to a Georgia field goal. Rodrigo freaking Blankenship. The Buddy Holly of uh, college field goal kickers with those glasses. Yes, that's right. And, uh, yeah, that was all Mule Shoes' fault. All of it. All of it. Maybe. See, that game took place in Pasadena, didn't it? Maybe that was a chestnut checkers maneuver to begin currying favor with the people of California. I wouldn't put it past that sneaky, you know what. But uh, if you were there, I think I told you the story, 55-19, the SC beatdown of OU in uh-huh. the Orange Bowl. Yeah, We uh, was working at another radio station, and one of the promotions was we give away uh, you know, some trips to the game and you got bus fare or you got a bus ride to and from the game. And so we had angry OU fans on a bus that had, uh, we were waiting on two other fans to come and exit the Orange Bowl. Well, these fans, I guess, got a ride back, but we had to wait like an hour in the parking lot in this chartered bus because, you know, they didn't want to leave these two fans who went on the trip as part of the promotion. Eventually, we had to leave. But there in the parking lot comes the SC band, and they're playing, I don't know, maybe 
20 yards away from our bus, and they're playing Tribute to Troy just constantly in the fight song. And the OU fans were already angry enough. I thought they were going to tip the bus over there before we finally left for the hotel. It was ugly, really ugly. Brian in Tulsa says, I would also forget that Matt Leinert won the Heisman instead of A.D. Yeah, I mean, you talk about great players. Matt Leinert, man, he prevented Oklahoma from making history that year one way or another because if not for Matt Leinert, either Jason White wins back-to-back Heismans mm-hmm. right? or, the first or Adrian Peterson wins it as a freshman for the first time and only time in history. That's why Matt Leinert is a bastard. Pardon my French, but he is. The Notre Dame game that ended the winning streak, the Dick Lynch touchdown. Yes, the 47-game winning streak came Dick to Dick Lynch? End. That's someone's name? Mm-hmm. Yes. He was the guy who scored the winning touchdown for Notre Dawn. Dick Lynch. You, sir, are tawdry. I see that smile on your face. I, I, I can't be the only one. Come on now. It's true. You're thinking exactly what I'm thinking, Steely. Go ahead and Google it up. Dick Lynch scored the winning touchdown to break the 47-game winning streak. All right, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Has Matt Leinert, has he still, has he trolled OU fans lately? Didn't he do that a couple times? I'm sure he did. I'm sure he has. One listener says, national championship loss to LSU. Just keep running the ball and we win. What if Adrian Peterson had reclassified? You think OU wins that game if Adrian Peterson is already in the program by then? Well, that was pre-Adrian Peterson. Yeah, it was. So that was that would have oh, been. Oh, you're talking about he would have been a. If he had reclassified, okay. if he'd gotten to Oklahoma a year earlier, mm, yeah. You think OU wins that game? I mean, Kewan Jones was a pretty good back, but he's not. They Adrian had Ronaldo Peterson. Works. Yeah, they had Ronaldo Works, well. right? Yeah. Yep. Ronaldo Works, who was the hero of the OU Alabama game in Norman. When Dennis Franchoni was the coach at Bama. Be a lot better if Dennis Franchoni had stayed on the job at Alabama somehow. We need Saban to retire. So uh, so anyway, by the way, uh, I heard the Nick Saban audio this morning. You know, the rumored schedule for Alabama's LSU, Auburn, and Tennessee. Uh, are you... Are you happy if it comes true that it's going to be – we know it's going to be Texas. We think it's going to be Arkansas, and we think it's going to be Florida for Oklahoma. Nothing is set in stone. Who knows? But would you like that trio again, Texas, Arkansas, and Florida? I love it. I love Florida especially. Mm -hmm. Give me a trip to Gainesville every other year. I'm all the way down for it, Steely. I mean, you don't want Missouri and A&M because you've been there and done that, and then you have to deal with the ridiculous fake military men down there in College Station with their swords and everything. And again, I've said I like some of their crazy traditions. I really do. Sad to see the bonfire went away, but you knew it was going to after that tragedy. But um, I'm all for Arkansas and Florida and the Longhorns. That would be good. And Missouri, yeah, been there, done that too, right? So uh, I'd be good to go with that one. We'll see. We shall see. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. Sooner baseball is underway over at Mitchell Park against UNLV. Uh, by the way, the Sooner men, of course, play tomorrow night, 8.30, round three for Bedlam in Kansas City. We heard from Porter Moser on the matchup earlier. Um, somebody said the 78 Orange Bowl. Yeah, that was a nightmare, man. That OU team was – I don't know if they partied too much or what, but Arkansas, Lou Holtz coaching on the sidelines for the Razorbacks, and they uh, 
they dominated Oklahoma that night. Roland Sales, the freshman running back. Ron Calcagney was the quarterback. And uh, the Sooners just uh, – it was a long night. Really long night. Jesse right. G on the text line says, I would simply forget that college football existed between Switzer and Stoops. No college football between the years of 1988 and 2000. So you got John Blake out, you got Schnellenberger out, and no mule shoe. All right. Okay, yeah, that would work. No Gary well, Gibbs. Well, no, 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 Gary Gibbs, you would have mule shoe. Yeah, you would have Well, could shoe. you wipe out the mule shoe era? You could wipe out the mule shoe era, sure. Yeah. Why but not? Do you also have to wipe out Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts? Well, yeah. Do you, you want to wipe yeah, that out? Yeah, I guess you're right, yeah. You'd have to save it for the players. Do you want to wipe out the Caleb Williams game in 2021? No. no you want to wipe out – the Drake Stoops folk hero moment in 2020. How about if there's a specific erasure, you know, from your brain that just instead of Lincoln Riley being there, there's just <laughs> like it's like the blotted out when they have somebody who testifies at a trial that they don't want their face. Lincoln Riley's just blotted out in all the <laughs> memories. Everybody else exists. Lincoln Riley. Lincoln not Riley there. redacted. Yes, exactly. That's what I'm looking for. Okay, break time right here. 405-651-3439. Thank you to Air Comfort Solutions. Text line, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's what we're hearing, Brian. And, again, who knows, but it, a lot of people think it's going to be – we know it's going to be Texas. We think it's going to be Arkansas and Florida. Oh, really? I thought it was Texas, Missouri, Florida. I that thought was... it was Arkansas. Okay. Let's go. Source Wars. All right. Well, maybe – don't put Missouri in, instead of Arkansas. Really? Yeah. So Some from, people are saying they heard Missouri as well. Yeah, from what I heard, Steely, it seemed there was some administrative pushback. I don't know from where, mm. but some administrative pushback to the thought of a permanent OU-Arkansas matchup. Well, you're young. I'm senile. Vegas says you're heavily favored in this matchup. We'll be right back. Brandon Rabar joining us. Riverwind Casino Hotline. Thunder in action tonight against the Golden State Warriors. Will J-Dub play Golden State 7-24 on the road? Thunder closing out a homestand. Oklahoma City a half game behind Portland for the 10 seed and the play-in game in the West. Let's bring in our Thunder expert, Brandon. How we doing? Everything good? Everything is good, Mike and Parker. Yeah, uh, looking forward to this back to back with the Warriors and Suns. Uh, Thunder playing a bunch of superstars over the next couple of days. Yeah, and yeah, the Suns again. I, I the chemistry looked good. It's looked good early on that squad. Uh, what do we know about J-Dub, uh Jalen Williams tonight? What are we thinking? Unfortunately, it was just announced uh, earlier this hour that. J-Dub, Jalen Williams, Santa Clara is out tonight with his right wrist sprain. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm hoping uh, with a back-to-back, it might be one of those deals where they knew that they wanted to play him one of the days and not the other day with a wrist sprain, and they're going to give him that extra day to, to heal up. I'm hoping, just because he has been on an absolute tear lately, uh, four straight games at 20-plus points. He was actually nominated for Western Conference Player of the Week uh, as a rookie, J-Dub has been incredible lately, so I'm bummed out he's going to miss tonight. Brandon, how gratifying was it? And obviously, I, I believe you are the one uh, who decided to dub Jalen Williams and Jalen Williams, J-Dub and J-Will, 
respectively. <laughs> so how gratifying was it the other day to see number two overall NBA draft pick Chet Holmgren refer to Jalen Williams publicly as J Dub? Yeah, no, this is uh, you know, this has been pretty great. Uh, it, it's so funny though, um, as as the season has gone on, um, to see. The Thunder played on all these different like national games, whether it's TNT, ESPN, NBA TV, and anytime there's any new set of announcers uh, calling this Thunder team, it always becomes like a 15 minute conversation. The whole J Dub, J Will thing, but but we here in OKC knew what was up at the beginning. So the Warriors uh, trolling the Thunder yesterday on social media, having. Uh, Steph recreate that half court shot, and they put the play by play in and everything. I mean, the, the the Warriors have to, you know, just keep putting the knife in deeper to Oklahoma City fans, or what? Yeah, you know, uh, for those that don't know, Steph recreated that you know logo game winner hat that he had like seven years ago against the Thunder. Uh, that's obviously still a pain in the side of every Thunder fan. You know, it's already enough anyways. If you're on social media at all, it seems like Bleacher Report and ESPN and, and all these uh, big conglomerates have like a notification like, oh, uh, let's remind the Thunder about the Steph Curry shot or this Clay Thompson game six in the Western Conference Finals. Let's remind them every three months. And then the Warriors themselves, you know, they're in town last night. They recreated the shot last night. And, of course, had to post it on social media. Brandon? The Thunder currently sit one game, or rather half a game out of the Western Conference 14 playoff right now. That's 7 through 10 playoff to determine who ultimately comprises the field in the Western Conference. As we get ready for the finishing kick to this season, what do you feel like Oklahoma State has to accomplish to escape this logjam where right now you got five teams within a half game of each other? Utah, Portland the Los Angeles Lakers and the New Orleans Pelicans, all with identical 31 and 34 records in Oklahoma State, sitting half a game back at 30 and 34. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, the West is nuts right now. If the Thunder went tonight, uh, that would be potentially five teams at 31 and 34. Uh, but a couple of those 31 and 34 teams played tonight. So who knows how it's going to end up. It's crazy. The Thunder have 18 games left in the season, and about half of those are contending teams. They play the Suns three more times. They play the Warriors two more times. They play the Clippers two more times. But then they play uh, the Pistons. They play uh, the Rockets again. They play the uh, gosh, they, they play the Hornets, I believe, and the Pacers. So the Thunder will have some, some easy ones on the schedule left, but they have a bunch of tough ones as well. And, and I'm really, really curious. Sam Presti said as long as Thunder are playing games of consequence, they will play to win. Uh, once they're not, they'll sit to development. And uh, it's going to be really curious to see after this uh, double feature of the Suns and Warriors back-to-back uh, how the Thunder are looking and how the rest of the West is looking here in a couple of days. All right, return of uh, Poku to the G League. Uh, it seems like he's been out a while, man, a long time. And he actually was having a, a really good season before he got hurt. What are your thoughts on Poku's road back now this season? Yeah, I, I talked to a Thunder official, and the official word was uh, there's still no timetable on his return. His return is not imminent, but, you know, this is a part of the planned rehab process that he would go to the blue, practice a little while, 
come back to the Thunder, practice with the Thunder, to basically try to get in as much practice time and rehab time as possible for Poku. Like, you're, like you said, it, it feels like it's been a while. And, and I would love to see Poku play at least a few more games here at the end of the season. I'm hoping he can come back and play even you know the last eight, ten games, who knows, uh, just because he had a lot of momentum. You know, Poku was such a big punchline the first couple seasons in the league. But this season, and he's shooting nearly 38% from three. He was blocking one and a half shots per game. He was playing really pretty well for being such a young player. And his turnaround has been big. So I hope Poku plays again this season. Brandon, as we think about what Shea Gilgis Alexander has provided to this organization, the face of the franchise and the aftermath of Russell Westbrook's departure, quickly trending towards becoming one of the top 10 players in the league, if he's not already there. You're within 20 games of the conclusion of the regular season. If Oklahoma City were to make the playoff field, you think there's a chance that with a closing stretch in which he puts this team on his shoulders, we could really start to see Shea Gilgis-Alexander cement his legacy in Oklahoma City as not only the unquestioned face of this franchise, unquestionably the best player in OKC since Russell Westbrook, but really solidify himself as one of the top talents in the entire NBA if he were to lift Oklahoma City to not only a playoff berth, but maybe to a playoff series win. Yeah, it's going to happen. I mean, whether it's this season, next season, the next couple seasons, uh, Shea is too talented, and this team around him is so young but already so talented. Uh, Jalen Williams, arguably, you know, the second-best rookie this season. I would say he has been. You can even argue, if you look at efficiency and advanced stats, he's been the best rookie this season. Giddy, of course, has been great. Chet Holmgren is waiting in the wings. Stan will have to say, this Thunder team is going to be really, really good really, really soon. They've exceeded expectations this season. If, if him were taking to the playoffs this season, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to be All-NBA, I think, either way. Um, but if he makes the playoffs this season, it's definitely going to happen. Uh, could even be second-team All-NBA. Shea is a top-five scorer in the league. He's only 24 years old. Uh, I would argue, and I think a lot of people would agree, he's a top-ten player right now, and he's gotten better every single season. Uh, I think the sky's the limit, honestly, for Shea. I, I think he is the ideal face of the franchise for the Thunder moving forward, and some exciting times are coming for Thunder fans soon, and uh, Shea is leading the pack. Brandon, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. We will speak again soon, my friend. Thanks. Absolutely. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Parker. Brandon Rabar joining us, uh, DailyThunder.com, Twitter superstar, and uh, overall nice guy and knows uh, all there is to know about the Oklahoma City Thunder. It is good to have excitement back. I mean, real excitement knowing that the Thunder has has turned the corner. They're getting back on the highway of real competition, not just, you know, they're not going down the road in that jalopy tanking anymore. They're they're on the right track. It's going to be fascinating to see how it works out with Chet coming aboard next year. Riverwind Casino, ladies and gentlemen, there is a reason why Riverwind is voted the best casino experience in the Oklahoma City metro area year after year after year because they're simply the best. Best promotions like the $20,000 countdown to concerts promotion happening right now. Get out there. Play with your Riverwind wild card for every one entry. You're going to get five points again. Five points, one entry on your wild card of this promotion. 
the 20K Countdown to Concerts promotion. Then be there Saturday night, March 18th. Drawing starts at 7 o'clock. They're going to award $20,000 in cash and bonus play throughout the preliminary drawings. Then just before midnight, one grand prize winner, one patron, is going to be selected to win a pair of Taylor Swift concert tickets for Taylor Swift's show at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington on April 1st, plus $1,000 cash. And we also have Beats and Bites coming back for 2023. What is Beats and Bites? In case you don't know, it is the incredible outdoor concert series at Riverwind. Food trucks everywhere, all the best local food trucks. We've got great craft beer from Coop Ale Works. Family-friendly environment, games for the kids. Bring your folding chairs, bring your appetite, bring an ear for some really good music. It all begins May 27th with 38 Special and Blue Oyster Cult. Then in June, a trio of bands, Gin Blossoms, Tonic, and Soul Asylum. In July, Mark Chestnut, Shenandoah, and Tracy Bird on the Beats and Bites stage. And then we'll wrap it all up, Beats and Bites 2023, later in August, August 26th with Gary Allen. And it won't be too long before the Showplace Theater is back as a concert venue again. Get ready. I know that Earth, Wind, and Fire is on the way. It won't be too long. Always something happening. Always a great chance to be winning at Riverwind Casino. Simply the best. Be right back. Ah, yes, we're getting a real rush out of that bumper. That's big time. What a great tune. And that was a a Guitar Hero tune back in the day, too. YYZ was? Or sorry, YYZ. That's what I think. Yes, I'm almost positive. All right, 405-651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Let's uh, let's close it out with as many texts as we can get to. Fun fact, though, I uh, when I was a senior in high school, I played this song on bass at my high school's talent show. Nice. So you were getting Nailed it, too. Nailed it. I finished second. I was pissed. What? Who did you finish second to? I don't even remember. That was in Nebraska, so somebody who did something with corn, right? Or something like that. Yeah, right? it might have been. So Somebody illustrating the process of producing ethanol or whatever. Uh, Justin and Kawita on the text line says, I freaking love the way you appreciate the, the way you approach dumb crap, Steely. I know I can always tune in and you're going to make me feel like I'm not the only person left with logic and reason. Keep up the good work on calling out the morons of the sporting world. Much I was, respect, sir. See, I was worried about that, Justin. Thank you very much. Because when I first read that, I thought you were talking to Parker. I freaking love the way you approach dumb steely. But it actually worked out better than I thought. I was afraid to open that one up. Thank you, Justin and Kawita. The, the Bryan brothers. Kawita, right? Rick Bryan. He, he doesn't get talked about enough, man. The Bryan brothers. Studs from Kawita. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right. I would like to forget OSU's medallion. That's such a big deal for their football team. I believe the game ended in a tie. How weak. I remember the medallion. Yes, we did a big parody on the medallion. Like it was a movie trailer. I need some background on this because I have no context. You know, the the old man is trying to reach into memory, but Oklahoma State, and I think it was a tie, as the 405 is saying, and Oklahoma State gave their graduating seniors, I believe, a medallion that had the score of the game on it, I believe, is the whole deal about the medallion. As someone who attended the University of Tennessee, there are nothing but horror stories regarding how Florida fans treat traveling fans in Ben Hill Griffin, the swamp. 
Let's say it's not lemonade being thrown at you. Oof. Good Lord, man. Holy cow. Can't be worse than the LSU fans, though. That sounds gnarly. Yeah, no, I've I've been to Ben Hill Griffin. I've been to the Swamp for a game. How it's is cool. it at the Swamp? I've been to the Swamp for two games, actually. Really? I enjoy it. How did you get to the Swamp? My family used to vacation in Florida. Okay, so, so like, who did you see him play? Uh, okay, this is November of 2012. I watched him play Jacksonville State. They won that game 23 to nothing. Okay. Jacoby Brissett was the starting quarterback for Florida that day. Yeah, there you go. Um, I then went to a game in Sept- nope, October of 2017, Florida-Texas A&M. Texas A&M won that game 19-17. to Daniel LaCamera kicked four field goals, and it was Kellen Mond that outdueled Felipe Franks. That was the night the Gators wore their Gator print uniforms. Mm, oh, yeah. How did those look in person? Terrible. Disgusting. I thought, I thought Appalling. They were way, way too gaudy. Way too much. Okay, 405-651-3439, 405-651-3439. We, we understand that Parker, again, finished second in the uh, – this was the uh, high school talent competition? Yes. Yes, and I decided to cover YYZ – sorry, YYZ on base. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. And it's widely considered, like, the hardest song to play in rock music on bass guitar because Getty Lee, of course, is something of an alien. He's anything, good, yeah. Anything Getty Lee does, anything Les Claypool does as well mm-hmm. with a bass guitar can at times be irreplicable. But I nailed it. Second place. It was the 95 game that Oklahoma State won 12 to nothing in the medallion game. Oh, it was, okay, 12 to nothing. So that was the medallion game, Sean, yes. Like I said, there are a few days every now and then where the old man's brain is on dial-up. Like I said, I'm on America Online occasionally. So give me a senility mulligan like maybe once every couple days. And I think you're right. The Arkansas deal, uh, I th- more than likely, I probably just put Arkansas down. And most people are saying yes. Texas, Missouri, Florida is the most talked about trio for Oklahoma. I don't know, some Missouri games, you had some memorable ones. You had, uh, well, the Go Joe Go game in Columbia back in the 70s. Then you had the Chris Chester uh, you know, game in Columbia. Booger Boy, Chase Daniel. The Sooners, of course. Uh, I'm trying to remember. That was the team that uh, Chase Daniel played with Jeremy Macklin, right, mm-hmm. who Oklahoma was second on in that recruiting battle. Chase Daniel, man, for carrying a clipboard around, has made – he's got a – he's soaking up, you know, the good life in a hot tub like he's, Uncle Rico dreamed of by being a clipboard, clipboard backup guy for a long time. He's made nearly $100 million doing it. $100 million. By the way, speaking of $100 million, Geno Smith re-signed with the Seahawks yesterday for three years and $105 mil. That's $35 million a year. If you'd told me eight months ago that in the year of our Lord, 2023, an NFL team would be signing Geno Smith to a contract worth $35 million Mm, annually, I would have laughed you off the face of the planet. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm with you. But uh, guess who was not very good in Denver and who was much better than expected in Seattle? 
Russell Wilson was a disaster. Geno Smith had a good solid year for the Seahawks. <laughs> imagine imagine convincing anybody that the Seahawks were going to upgrade going from Geno yeah. or from Russell Wilson to Geno Smith at quarterback. And I doubt that Geno Smith was on an airplane going to a road game doing a knee high whatever they what do they call him the knee touches that he was doing going to London when all his teammates were trying to sleep. Russell Wilson. Hey, listen. Russell Wilson just got that dog in him. He's always grinding. I don't like no him. No rest for the wicked. I don't like him. I just think there's a lot of phony there with Russell Wilson. No, there is. There is. There's a there's some phony in Russell Wilson, definitely. All right, we got to get out of here. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Thank you to our friends at the one, the only, simply the best, Riverwind Casino. Let's get locked in. Parker, Tyler McComas, a tremendous hour of radio coming up next right here on The Ref. Have a great Tuesday.